0: Me first, my condition second is brought to you by AbV. Hello, I'm Jo Van i I'm your host for today's podcast. Now, chronic disease lasts a lifetime, but it doesn't define a life. And this series focuses on people first, their disease second. We'll meet some people living with chronic inflammatory conditions and learn from their experiences. We'll meet experts sharing valuable information. And we'll aim to give you the tools which may assist living with a chronic condition. Now, pain is a fact of life for many people with chronic inflammatory conditions. It can make it really difficult to perform everyday activities like cleaning your house or playing with your kids or even opening a favourite jar like peanut butter. So today, we're going to look at some strategies for coping with chronic pain. With us is Fiona, a nurse who's been working for the past eight years supporting people with autoimmune conditions. Hello, Fiona. Can you tell us some of the factors that influence pain in chronic inflammatory conditions?
1: It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. There are a number of factors that influence how a person experiences chronic pain. Feeling stressed, fatigued or depressed can contribute to pain. When you feel this way, your body produces chemicals that are very similar to the ones that signal damage or danger. So, over time, if you're experiencing chronic pain, these chemicals can amplify feelings of pain. What's worse is these factors form almost a cycle. If you're experiencing pain, you might cancel plans for going out with your friends, which in turn can make you feel down.
0: Mm, Which then further adds to the pain.
1: Yes, exactly. So how would one go about breaking this cycle? It starts by recognising the factors that affect your pain levels. If being stressed affects your pain levels, then you start by identifying what makes you feel stressed. If work is making you feel stressed, you could talk to your manager about managing a workload or look into getting a different type of job. If the chores piling up at home are making you stressed, perhaps you could break them down and assign one task each day of the week rather than tackling them all at once. You can also try relaxation techniques like meditation and mindfulness. Those are some great tips,
0: Fiona. Now, understanding how pain works is one thing, but the experience of chronic pain is another matter. So to give us some more personal view on the topic, we have with us Anne-Marie Brown. Hey, Anne-Marie. Hey, how are you? Good.
2: Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, um. My name's Anne Marie Brown. I'm 48 years old. I've got two daughters who are one's a preteen, the other's a teenager, and I've actually got two adult stepchildren as well. Um, I've actually got a dog that I absolutely adore, and a whole lot of goldfish. Um, so life's pretty good. Um, work-wise, I work as general manager of content for HIA. Which is the Housing Industry Association, which kind of fits neatly into the fact I'm a bit of a word nerd. But I actually used to be an interior designer, so I could talk and write about houses all day long. (laughs) (laughs) From from the medical perspective, I guess the reason I'm here today is I had psoriasis from the time I was a very small child, and about five years ago, I was diagnosed with psoriatic arthritis or PSA, as it's often called.
0: Okay, and how did it feel before you were diagnosed and treated for PSA?
2: Before I found the right treatment, I actually spent years wondering why I was constantly tired and had aching joints. I thought it was all in my head, I thought it was part of being a busy mum, was my diet not right? Did I exercise the wrong way? So everyone would probably described my personality as being naturally enthusiastic, I'm quite sociable, but I really felt like that was slowly deteriorating. I started to have days that I felt anxious or depressed. I sort of fake being vibrant for a little while and then I kind of crawl into a hole of fatigue every couple of days. I think the hardest thing was if I'd had a really, really busy hard work day, I felt the job sapped everything from me. It was hard then to be there for my kids, for my husband, you know, even my friends. My work became a bit of a groundhog day. It was like work, sofa, sleep, like rinse and repeat. There wasn't much joy left in in life. How has the pain
0: impacted your life since your diagnosis?
2: Pain or or what I'd probably describe it as is waves of pain um, are sometimes mildly frustrating and other days they're actually really debilitating. Um, Some mornings walking upstairs, particularly in winter, you feel like your body is incredibly heavy, like your joints ache. You actually start to feel joints you haven't felt before, maybe in your hip or maybe your lower back. So often it feels like you're a lot older than you actually are. Mm. There's also other times where you you do forget that you are in, in pain. It becomes part of your everyday. Often I like to get my nails done. So whenever I'm getting a manicure and they start to rub at my fingers, I feel these like zaps of pain mm. and it reminds me, oh, okay, your fingers aren't quite what they should be. Yeah, Wow. One of the worst times um, that I can recall where pain really impacted my life was Before I was diagnosed, I was on a work assignment in Melbourne. Um, I had two days to produce, a whole series of video interviews. I was the producer. I was the interviewer. I had all the tech to be involved with in the crew and some really high-profile clients. Every part of my body ached, but I had to grin through the pain. But each night as I got back to my hotel, I would just have a bath and cry. Mm. There was actually probably something that was a bit of standout for me. It was an overseas holiday a couple of years ago. Um, my partner is from a small county in the UK and it's really quite beautiful. Um, I was really looking forward to cycling around the lake um, that he'd actually grown up playing around. But Ten minutes into the bike ride, I fell three times. My hands would lock up. I couldn't use the handbrakes. To be honest, I, I wasn't really sure if I was mad or sad. It was kind of this strange combination of both. But it made me realise that the treatment I was on at the time was starting to fail uh, and that in itself was quite devastating for me. Mm. I'd probably describe if people ask me what the pain feels like. It's kind of like the aches you have with a really bad virus Um, part of my arthritic condition um, affects my neck and my back. So as a result, I quite often hold my body really stiffly. And the result will often happen that I'll get headaches or neck aches, almost feels like a migraine, Mm. and it becomes really hard to concentrate.
0: And have you found any simple pain management techniques that you use now?
2: I do actually try to keep myself warm in winter, as simple as it sounds, whether it be, you know, scars around the neck. I definitely wear um, fingerless gloves some mornings when I start working. If I'm going to the gym, I will book classes at the last minute. I've often found that if I book days in advance, I might have a day where I've got a really bad pain flare and then have to cancel the booking and they might make a strike against me. So I tend to like do a lot of things when I, I feel I can Stretching during the day is so important. I stretch when I'm on the sofa, sitting in my chair. People often notice if they're on a Zoom call with me, I'll often lift and move my shoulders about. I shower first thing in the morning to wake up my joints. I guess I've kind of forgotten how many different ways and management techniques I have Mm. because they're just part of everyday life now. Yeah. The only times I really stay still is when I'm asleep, um, enjoying the sunshine outside or or in the bath. rest of the time, I'm constantly moving my body so I don't stiffen up too much.
0: Yeah. Fiona, I want to ask you now, because exercise is often recommended for people with arthritic conditions. So with chronic inflammatory conditions, your joints are aching and exercise must seem like the last thing you'd want to do.
1: So how does it help in these situations? When we say exercise, of course, we don't mean running 10Ks. Simple stretching exercise or low-intensity exercise can help to relieve pain and stiffness in the joints. Exercising regularly can also help to break the pain cycle by combating fatigue and alleviating low mood. There are also general health benefits like helping with weight loss, keeping the heart in good shape, and improving sleep and overall health. Now, they are some excellent
0: reasons to get moving. Now, back to you, Anne-Marie, how often do you exercise and has your condition affected your ability to exercise?
2: Oh, look, I'd love to say to you that I exercise every day, um, but I don't. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, I think reformer Pilates with machines is awesome. Um, I used to go to the gym every week before diagnosis, sometimes three or four times a week, and I used to do a lot of aerobic or dance classes now I mostly stick to those kind of um, classes that make sure I'm limber. They are working on my strength or my flexibility. Yoga is really great for that as well because it aligns not just your body, but also your mind. Walking the dog some days is really as good as it gets or, or even like going outside and doing a bit of gardening. Um, prior to diagnosis, I used to do a lot of dance classes and I had since I was quite a small child, you know, from tap to ballet. So now, you know, if I'm feeling really good, I'll do a Zumba class at the gym or, you know, occasionally I will, when I'm feeling good, I will do a bit of an all-nighter at a nightclub. Um, (laughs) But it does, mostly it's to keep my spirits up. You know, the other thing that's really important with exercise is trust and communication. Um, I make sure I tell the instructor if I'm having a flare and I might have some limitations That way, if I'm resting or stopping in the middle of the class, I won't be called out and embarrassed. But it also means they understand I might need to be shown some alternate exercises. Yes, some very good points
0: there. Now, we often hear the phrase, think positive and good things will happen. Uh, So I wanted to ask you, Fiona, is there any scientific merit to this when it comes to chronic inflammatory conditions?
1: As we talked about earlier, negative emotions can affect how pain is experienced A positive attitude can boost a person's ability to cope with pain. In fact, studies have shown that people with positive psychological traits, like those who are more optimistic, may perceive less pain. On the other hand, people who describe their pain experience in more exaggerated terms than an average person, dwell on it more or feel helpless because of it, may have greater pain perception. So yes, there is some scientific merit to being positive.
0: What do you think, Anne-Marie? What's been your experience with positivity?
2: I cannot overestimate enough just how important positivity is. Mm. I think I talk myself out of feeling sorry for myself every couple of weeks. I, I let myself sit, you know, with a thought for a moment that maybe I can't do something I want to, and then I just try to flick it off. Being positive doesn't come naturally. It doesn't actually take time and practice in the way you process things, how you talk to yourself, you know, your inner voice. I try to set goals for myself that are achievable in really small segments instead of setting big lofty goals. That way I can kind of celebrate the small wins instead of feeling that I've let myself down or let someone else down if I don't achieve that, that big goal. Yeah. Keeping busy mentally and physically allows you to feel the pain or fatigue but then move on from it. Uh, Like I tend to be a bit of a go, go, go person for most of the day. And and sometimes around, you know, mid mid late afternoon, I start to tire out. So this means I feel I've achieved enough for the day. You know, there's other days I'm bursting with energy. And when I use it, you know, I use it while I have it in my house. Don't be surprised if I'm ripping the house apart at 10am, dusting and washing everything and cooking weeks of meals. And then other days, because I've already put that hard work in when I've been able to, Mm. I allow myself to, to really sit and rest. Talking about PSA and and helping other people that may have this or other inflammatory conditions and helping them learn more about, um, you know, inflammatory disease, that's also really important for me. I felt quite alone um, in my early diagnosis days, so that does help quite a lot.
0: Well, Anne-Marie, that leads into this next segment where I'd like to focus on the problems people face in their day-to-day lives due to their condition. A colleague of mine once mentioned she had trouble opening the front door at work and she would wait by the door until someone else came by and opened it. So, Fiona, what are some of the most common practical problems your patients have told you about and what kind of tips did you offer to help them?
1: Some people can't manage to exercise or are limited with movement due to their inflammatory condition. I suggest once they start feeling some relief from their medication to consult with their doctor about ways to try and increase their movement. Their doctor may suggest some gentle exercise specific to their condition.
0: Yeah, very wise. Anne-Marie, are there any practical problems you have experienced and can you tell us how you've overcome them?
2: Yeah, sure. Look, the worst thing for me is probably the weakness in my hands. Um, I have trouble carrying anything for, for too long um, sometimes I worry that my joints in my fingers and, and my wrists will stiffen up without warning. Um, so don't ask me to carry a, a tray of drinks from the bar. No, You probably won't get them. <laughs> <laughs> but I also make sure the coast is clear. Like sometimes if I'm at home and I need to throw something because I can't carry it, I'll like yell down the stairs, Timber, <laughs> i throw the washing basket downstairs. No, the other thing I, I like to do as well is to prop myself up with cushions on the sofa, make sure I get a, a really good office chair You know, I walk around when I make calls or I'm thinking just so I don't stay rigid for too long. Um, I even have started introducing walking meetings with my team. I don't think they like it as much as I do, but (laughs) it, it does mean when I do have to sit at my computer for an extended period of time, at least I've used the opportunity to be mobile when I can.
0: And do you talk to your family and friends about how pain is impacting you? And if you have done so, have you had any difficulties with it?
2: Yeah, I do, actually. I think you need to be really upfront with family and friends. You know, don't ask for their permission to be in pain, but certainly let them know what you're experiencing. One thing I've noticed is they might be confused because yesterday you were fine, but today you're not You're not well. So certainly explaining to them about flares and what flares mean, understanding there's an ebb and a flow that comes with an inflammatory condition. I think that way they'll find it easy to understand, you know, um, if it's hard to talk in person, there's certainly some resources and links you can you can send people, uh, even video content, other people's stories. But but for me, certainly being up front um, and letting people know um, that you have got this condition is also part of embracing it and and maybe it can be a little bit empowering at the same time.
0: Yeah. and And thinking back to the past, if you could go right back to when you were first diagnosed, what would you say to your younger self?
2: That's a really good question. I really wish that someone had said to me, could this be PSA? It didn't cross my mind. It certainly never came up with, with a lot of the professionals that I'd seen. You know, I had nail pitting. I had psoriasis. I had so many symptoms. But no one suggested I see a rheumatologist. Um, I could have worked with my energy level instead of constantly feeling like I was disappointing my children or, you know, or their father. I certainly um, think if I'd been diagnosed earlier, I would have been able to take care of myself, manage my health, certainly even manage my mental health um, a lot easier. And I would have been kinder to myself in the process. Thank you for sharing that with
0: us. We are coming close to wrapping up, but before we do, there's one final question I have for you. Is there anything else you think may be beneficial for the listeners to know?
2: Yeah, thanks for asking. Um, look, it might sound a bit confrontational, but you really need to take responsibility for your own health. You know, be open about your journey. If you're not sure that your condition is on the right track, it's okay to get a second opinion. You know, if your medicine is no longer working for you or you feel it may not be working for you, Speak to your doctor. You know, make sure you communicate. You can't change the fact you have PSA. So I often say, what's the point of letting your mental health decline by worrying or wondering why me? Use that energy that you've got to get on the right path. You can cope with it mentally and physically.
0: Thank you, Fiona and Anne-Marie, for joining us and sharing your valuable insight. To our listeners, we hope you found that helpful and it gave you some useful information. If you are struggling to deal with pain, remember to speak to your doctor. They can advise you about the best ways to help manage your pain. The information provided in this podcast is the opinion of the speakers and does not replace the advice of your healthcare professionals.